you ever look back on the last 10 or 20 years and ask the question, how far have we come? What's only natural to do so and in a way helps inform you of where you'd like to go into the future. And that's exactly what happened at the recent Best Wool Best Lamb conference in Bendigo as it celebrated 25 years of sheep and wool extension. The industry was in a very different place back in 1998. And where do we want to be in 2048? Yes, that is 25 years from now. Best Wool was an initiative of the Victorian Government and the Victorian Farmers Federation and Australian Wool Innovation also stepped in to support on-farm extension and across the 25 years it has made a lot of difference to a lot of Victorian farmers. But AWI of course has state-based extension programs in all states. So welcome to The Yarn. This is a podcast for the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So the sheep industry has a lot to celebrate from the last 25 years of progress and has a lot to aim for for the next. That's according to Dr Alex Ball, Director of Rural Analytics. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, when we started 25 years ago, we were talking about an industry that, uh, in, particularly in the sheep meat industry, $1.82 a kilo, there are challenges of where we we're going to take the industry. It was very much a cottage industry at the time. It didn't have the international markets, very domestically focused. We had a wool industry that was sitting right at the cusp of where it needs to make change and whether we go down to a 13 micron or whether we maintain the profile. And the sheep industry was in a churn and I think that churn created a lot of opportunity because it forced people to sit down and say, well, what is the sheep industry going to look like? What is the vision for the sheep industry? So we had these major targets emerged like 2 billion by 2000 for the sheep meat industry. And I know in the, in the wool industry and those type of components, we started to say, can we actually make the wool industry more resilient by transforming the merino? And you and I had a conversation about the dual purpose merino 15 years ago, and then we started talking about the quad purpose merino. And nowadays you, you have a merino and a, an enterprise that's very resilient because it's got a wool and it's got a sheep meat component fixed in. And we've now got a sheep industry, and I like the word the sheep industry, sitting at about that eight and a half to nine billion dollar industry, and it's gone up from that seven, you know, that six billion dollar industry many, many years ago, and and that becomes a resilient industry for Australian agriculture to really hang us hat on. So before we talk about the next 25, which um, you, you challenged everyone about today, do you think also there were some key projects within the last 25 years, such as Lifetime Wool, which became Lifetime U, uh, different extension programs, and indeed Best Wool, Best Lamb. Um, best Wool, Best Lamb, yeah. networks that we're, we're sitting amongst. Yeah, so I, I spoke about the, the 2000s and, and you were um, you know, a key part of this as well. We started off with this belief of what can we do to transform the sheep industry. So Lifetime Wool came in, we had the, the emergence of sheep genetics, so AWI and MLA worked collaboratively to produce Merino Select and Lamb Plant. We had this whole churn with uh, its U time first came out, then it became uh, prime time for sheep and then became making more for Merinos and then we moved into making more from sheep. We had this helicon approaches where we had all of these evergrays, we had the sheep CRC, we had uh, you know, the genomics project. I mean, we had a $30 million sheep genomics project in the mid-2000s, which in real terms today is probably something like a $100 million project. And AWI and MLA jointly funded it together in a very collaborative way with all of the departments. And, and it was huge opportunity, but huge, huge resources. So all of the legacy programs that we use today came out of those visions of the early 2000s. Yeah, so it's, it's surely something that everyone that's been in the sheep industry can be proud of, and we're here today because of a lot of that. 
But looking forward to the next 25, you threw down a bit of a gauntlet today. Yeah, I think if you know, if we look at, at some of the challenges, if, if we lift wool weight up or we lift carcass weight up or we change uh, reproductive rate from you know, that 100% up to 110%, we're going to have a good industry. We'll probably lift it up by about another, you know, two to three billion dollars. Well, that's going to be a great, a good industry. It'll be a safe industry, but it's not going to be the great industry. It's not going to be the really dynamic industry. So, my challenge really is that uh, for the sheep industry to become the the really great industry, it's going to have to tackle the the key questions about reproductive rate and about lambing rate. It's going to have to challenge this whole. Uh, complex position about how do we make sure the consumer and the community understand our sustainability and our welfare credentials. We've got major challenges with castration and, and uh, tail docking. Great technologies emerging in those areas, great practices with people doing it, but uh, the, the future consumer is going to say, well, what are you doing about that? So do we need tails in sheep? Do we need testicles in sheep? So I said, you know, why not just make the whole ewe flock a ewe flock? You know, that's uh, one of the challenges. We've got immuno, immuno uh, vaccines emerging in all of those areas. But it comes back down to the basics too of who's going to be the next leaders of the industry to sort of pinpoint that, that future change. Who's going to say, well, let's become 200 by uh, 2040 or let's become you know, 15 billion by 2050. And they're the, they're the types of targets we should be setting. It's interesting as you're talking about tailless um, sheep, I was thinking, you know, 20 years ago, the number of rams that had horns. Absolutely. Uh, I, I wonder if there'll still be merino rams with horns in 20 years' time. Well, yeah. When when I first started in in sheep genetics, and then went out and had a, you know, started talking to merino breeders. I mean, we went to merino breeders and said, wouldn't it be nice if we can do ultrasonic fat and muscle depth, and we can do more egg cats and merinos? Well, there's a couple of merino breeders who politely said that that probably shouldn't occur. But yeah, you know, nowadays most of the modern merino breeders are heading towards pole genetics. They've got really good carcasses. We've got merino lambs going through the supply chain. We've got you know, the capability, as we've seen today, of you know, people producing 18, 19 micron ewe flocks. They've got 130% lambing. All the weather lambs are going off at 23 kilos. And they're making you know, four to $500 a hectare with that, with that enterprise. And it's a great, safe, resilient enterprise for the future. Over the last 25 years, I think we've seen new challenges, particularly in the welfare space and in the advocacy space, looking at the live sheep trade as a perfect example. Uh, is the challenge that you're setting us production-based or is it more advocacy and consumer-based? Well, well I, th I don't... Th it's, it's nice to have production, but if you haven't got that consumer and community confidence with the product you're producing... And we've seen a range of industries across the world that have really struggled... Super fantastic farmers, super fantastic managers and those type of things. But ultimately they're producing a product that the community says, well, we're not certain about where does it come from, is it produced sustainably, is it produced ethically, is it produced in that clean, green and environmentally safe way. So that's the future. If, if we're going to produce a high quality product in both wool and meat, we're going to have to ensure that the community says we accept that high quality but we accept it comes from a production system that we know has long-term sustainability and environmental credentials. And uh, often, I suppose, we're compared in terms of productivity gains with uh, chicken and pigs, which are factory farmed. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I dare say that the consumer might push back if we start farming um, Absolutely. in that intensive yeah. aspect. But uh, 
The term welfare, I'm always a big one for farmers themselves becoming welfare activists. We've sort of yeah. lost control of that term. Yeah. How do you think we can become better advocates? Yeah, I, I think welfare is a, a term that, that um, is often misused. I, I really like to tie them animal well-being, right? Animal well-being to me is you've got animals that are fit for purpose for the environment. They are basically satisfied. They have really good, uh, well-managed systems and they're in optimal condition for any point of time during the year. So the sense that they are well and they've got a sense of being around it is a really good thing. So I like that term. Welfare, I mean, we've got really, really top class with the, you know, the, the animal welfare standards that we've got for sheep and cattle across Australia. They're, they're, they are world class. We've got really good systems with LPA and with, with uh, MVDs and, and wool decks and those type of things which underpin our integrity system. But by and large, it's just about making sure that the community understands that when we are producing sheep, we're doing it in the most ethical way that we can. How do we make the consumer and society understand that? Well, I mean, as you're saying, I think, well, that's fine, but how do we, how yeah, do we do that? It's all about transparency and communication and you know, visualisation. We're, we're in a world where um, people have a phone, they have a, have a camera, they have that capacity, they, they are thirsting for knowledge. So they really want to see, and they want to still be that visual and tactile type people. So they want to see the images across Australia of, of Australians, really good, clean, green image. They want to see really modern production systems. And, you know, we see around here today, we've got fantastic technologies which are just improving the, the ability to manage sheep in, in much more sustainable and, and long-term ways. They want to see that we've got really good metrics in our pastures. They want to see that we're managing our soil health and our water resources. And you know, some of the, the work that I've seen in, in other industries, you know, the cotton industry is a great example. They have demonstrated they are starting to move in those worlds. And you know, we have to have that ability to say our sheep industry is the most robust, but it's also the most ethically uh, sustainable industry for Australian agriculture. So... By your standards, going from a, a good industry to a great industry, where, where does uh, uh, the farmer's own productivity sit in that? Because it's great to be a big industry, but it doesn't mean that people in it are profitable. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a really, really good question. So, you know, we spoke earlier on before we started this podcast that um, I think people should do the enterprises they are currently doing, but do them better. So don't go and chase the enterprises that are hard. So if you're, you're benchmarking your performance, and we've seen some really good examples today, if you can see that there are improvements in productivity, and there are improvements in productivity, everybody should be lifting up land marking percentages by 1% or 2% per year. Carcass weights should be going up by half a percent. Wool weights should be going up by at least a couple of hundred grams a year. If you're not meeting those targets, ask the question why. Genetics is your free lunch. You've got huge resources in terms of soil fertility measurements and those type of things. I mean, we've got nanosensors today that measure all aspects of, of soil fertility for health. We've got pasture mapping. We've got all of these technologies. Why not put them all together and, and make sure that we are picking up those productivity changes? So every, every enterprise I'm aware of, at least in the, in the sheep industry, could list productivity up by another 5 to 10% by simply focusing on the basics and doing the simple well. So, a, a personal question, if you don't mind, Alex, are you missing the sheep from your life? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are three times a year I love sheep, right? And I love landmarking because landmarking to me gave me a glimpse of, I've made decisions about selection, I've made decisions about mating, this is the result. It was a great time. 
I thoroughly enjoyed uh, shearing and wool casting because you saw the, the, the wool coming across the table. You saw some changes and, and everything like that. And I really love to get into the, the next uh, area of, of um, selection, what type of rams I need for the year. So for three days of the year, I thoroughly enjoyed it. For 360 days of the year, I thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's such a great industry. And do I miss absolutely every day, every day? Because yeah, you don't get the passion. You know, if you, if you if you eat an exquisite piece of lamb or you wear a 13 micron wool jumper or, or you know, a wool item, there's nothing better than natural fibre or natural meat. And you know, there's some great opportunities and, and there is still some fantastic people and fantastic um, opportunities in the sheep industry. So on that note, what are you doing these days? Um, director at Rural Analytics, yep. but you have um, have your cattle herd. Yeah, we have we uh, dabble in a few uh, Angus cows and those type of things. We you know, do a little bit of um, breeding in that area. Um, I do a lot of work in for a whole range of different RDCs. I set the goal five years ago to basically say, well, uh, I've spent a lot of lifetime in the sheep industry, a lifetime in the in the beef industry as well. What can I learn from every other industry? So we've worked and and reviewed at least eight other RDCs. Um, experienced areas in forestry, in cotton and in, uh, in grains. I'm doing a bit of work with Arbic, the Australian Honeybee Industry Council about the bee industry. That's been fantastic. I've loved managing the National Biocontrol of Weeds program for agri-futures. You know, we've got eight biological agents coming out of that for, out of, for the, um, out of that program for eight weed species out of 11. It's great. You know, so all of those things are, are great things that are going to happen for agriculture. Oh. Fantastic, and the cross fertilisation and ideas oh, that you must have uh, I just, yeah. must keep you uh, very busy. Yeah, I just, yeah, but it, it's still, yeah, you, you still come back here and you see, and, and the sheep industry is a relationship industry, and that's the other big thing I learnt that you know, if you've got great relationships and great respect for the people around you, I mean, we haven't seen each other for for ten years or fifteen years. We catch up, we can reminisce. There's a whole host of people here that I haven't spent a lot of time with. Um, I sort of look at their faces and I think, uh, are you you? Or are you your son, or are you your grandson? In one case, it was your grandson. Oh, a, and I'm thinking, but, but it had a genetic but, element. But, but it had a genetic, and we had, and we had a relationship. And the, the sheep industry has been one of the few industries where relationships have really underpinned our success, and relationships will underpin our success in the future. I wonder why that is. I mean, relative to forestry or honey. I, I just think that there, there's been this whole range of opportunity to connect in, in areas. So Best Wool, Best Lamb, people have been getting together into these groups for the last 25 years. And you know the Southworth Farm Monitor Group, well, they've been doing that for 20 odd years. And some of the Merino groups, you know, they've been doing some of their work for at least you know, 20 or 30 years. And, and what, Bendigo Sheep and Wool Show, what's it been running? Oh, 100, uh, X well, 150 or something. And, yeah, you know, to be well quite honest, honest, you come to these events and, and you know, you might, as I said this morning, you might not like each other at times and you might uh, disagree at times, but at the end, the sheep industries always come together and I think that's the future for the sheep industry is how do we make sure that we have a successful and a great industry. And it's, uh, I suppose it's a long-term investment, isn't it? It's Absolutely. not something you fly into and fly out of. But, yeah. uh, um, well, it has been wonderful catching up with you again, Alex. Um, thank you very much for the work that you do across... Uh, such a wide area and for such a long time. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really nice to catch up great, on you. Great pleasure, Morris, and uh, yeah, it's been great having this podcast. And I hope people get something out of it, which is always good. Dr. Alex Ball, director of Rural Analytics, who spoke at the recent 25-year anniversary of Best Wool Best Lamb in Bendigo. 
to find out how you can improve the production and profitability of your wool growing business through your local AWI extension network and their many workshops and events, head to wool.com networks. So that's it for this episode. Please feel free to leave a review of the podcast to help others find it. Of course, you can follow AWI through Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. But from me, Murray's coming. Thanks for having a yarn with us. <laughs>